Past Ball Show. Brought to you by JohnPLE.com. What the f*** you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f***ing Put that in. I don't... So the Tribe drops its third straight on this trip. Six to one to the Rangers. For the Indians, one run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. Talk about the past, talk about the history, I'm talking about what's great about this game of baseball. There's so much stuff that we talk about. I would say I wouldn't know, but I would say the reason why they want to pass is baseball going into the high baseball sport that has gone into baseball and from the baseball angle. I'm not going to speak of any other sport. Let me start by telling you this. I have never used steroids, period. Jerry, just remember. It's not a lie if you believe it. Joe Carter with a three-run homer. The winners and still world champions, the Toronto Blue Jays. And this, he sucks. Well, he is where he's out. Yes, sir. He is out. Look at, look at this. Brady is out. And uh, David Mann. I don't want to hear all your about other sports. I'm in the baseball business. This can run cleaner than any baseball business. Sell the team. From the CSB studios in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, on the MTR radio network, this is the Passball Show, brought to you by JohnPielli.com. This is Thursday, the 24th of May, getting ready for two jam-packed hours of some solid baseball talk. Today, I'm going to be joined by a guy by the name of John Mayo, and I don't confuse him with the guy that is from MLB.com, does the, does the insiders for um, you know, all the draft coverage, minor league prospects, and we'll welcome John into the studio. John, how's it going, buddy? Oh, it's going great. I'm excited to be here. Uh, it's a very uh, exciting opportunity on this gloomy May 24th. I am very excited about discussing whatever we need to discuss. Great baseball activities going on lately. Uh, a lot of slumps, a lot of success, major leagues, everywhere, all over the world of sports. Yeah, that's awesome, man. We're, we're definitely going to get a bunch of different topics. We know, John, you're a Yankee fan. We're definitely going to get a lot of perspective on everything going on with the Yankees. I'm going to touch on you know, A-Rod, Pettit, Yankees bullpen, stuff like that. There's a lot of different things we're going to hit up. But I'm going to start out, um, as all of you know who were listening last week, I made my trip to Toronto. My first trip to Toronto to check out the Rogers Center, formerly known as the Sky Dome. I actually got to see a doozy. On Friday night, where the Mets got destroyed by the Blue Jays, beautiful stadium, though beautiful stadium. Yeah, and actually, I'm going to get onto it in a little bit. But uh, John Neese for the Mets pitches uh, the other day against the Pirates looks really sharp pitching into the eighth inning. He looked nothing like that on nope, Friday when I was out there. Uh-uh. Couple couple things that I noticed. He is such. He depends on his curveball and the, the whole the whole way the curveball looks. And if he doesn't have the curveball working early in the game. 
he ends up disregarding it Definitely. altogether. And what happened is he couldn't locate his two-seam fastball, and his curveball was terrible. So he was relying on his fastball, which ended up right down the middle, results in four home runs, two of them by <sighs> JPR and Sebia. And it was and a And when Alcanacion hit one, too. Not, not that game. That was, oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that was, was the a, other game. Yeah, it was a, it, um, Sebia hit two. Roger Davis hit a home run. A guy by the name of Jan Gomes. I never heard of him. <laughs> who, who is that guy? He who was playing third guy? base for the Blue Jays. He ends <laughs> but up But he's not a third baseman, though. He's not a third baseman. Yeah. By trade, he's not a third baseman. They were saying, Susan Waltman on uh, WCBS had stated that he's not officially a third baseman. They just have him there because of the fact that he's filling in. And, uh, and you know why? He was playing, right? No, why uh, was he playing? Brett Lowry. Who was their starting oh, third baseman was suspended. He ended, he ended right. up having an incident with the umpire where he ended up. Uh, he, he flung his helmet. Actually, that's bounced, real. That's it, really it bounced off the ground and hit the oh, umpire. <laughs> well, so, what are the odds? It's like Bryce Harper when he hit the bat off off the uh, dugout. He wanted to hit himself in the eye with it. You know, same almost same thing. Almost yeah, same thing. it was kind. It's kind of weird. He ended up. He ends up getting suspended. He was out for the whole series. He actually. Uh, Dropped his appeal he's right before right before the Mets series. Now, Larry, I think overall is a very good player. He's gonna he's gonna be a good player for the Blue Jays. But you can't argue balls and strikes. No, you and he, cannot he, argue he, he balls was, and he strikes. Was, he was ridiculous. I mean, listen, I mean, he's not the only one that does it. I mean, you look at the guy. Listen, what, what did you think about uh, Chuch Ruiz from the Phillies? He actually got thrown out of the game the other day. Yes, I heard for just about looking that. Back I didn't at see it, but I heard about it. And yeah. I, and and that's that's something. And I've talked about it on MTR. If you check out. Um, my post on mtrmedia.com. I've I put some insight as far as, and, and actually uh, Bill Zeltman does a very good job of, you know, keeping up on everything going on with the Phillies. And he, he, you know, he made a good point that it was just, you know, it was, it was embarrassing. It was, it was ridiculous what the, what the Gary Cedarstrom did the other day. I mean, he, he it's a, it's a showing that really the umpires for the longest time have had this impression that they are bigger than a sport. That people, you know, people. They're the authority, though. That people, sp- the people spend their fifty to you know two hundred dollars to go see the umpires ump, and that's not true. It's not true. And, at all. and they no, should they shouldn't have these you know short leashes, these you know the no way be able to handle themselves when a player you know listen a player gets in your face and is this close? That's one thing. Definitely. But if a guy makes a comment off of something they don't like, you don't need to throw them out like that. I think it's ridiculous, and I, I don't like the Phillies. Anybody here knows, and I know we got a lot of Philly fans listening to this station, but and they they know that I'm not a big Philly fan. But I think what Gary Cedarson did the other day was absolutely ridiculous. MLB has to step in and reprimand these umpires. And I made I made a comparison to something that happened in a Mets game that I I saw going back to four years ago. This is just when Jerry Manuel took over as the manager of the New York Mets, replacing Willie Randolph, who was fired. And he was no different either. Jerry Manuel was. No, listen, you could talk all day about Jerry Manuel. Listen, you know, he's, he's no longer the Mets manager. They Thank moved God. on. Get him out. You know, bottom line is that's <laughs> over with. But yeah, uh, what happened is Carlos Beltran was up. The umpire was Brian Rungi behind home plate. It was a strike two call. Now, granted, first of all, the pitch was about a foot and a half inside that he called a strike. Beltran goes back, you know, ar- argues a little bit. He doesn't go nuts over it. Uh-huh. But the, the umpire, Rungi, has the nerve. To walk in front of the plate and dust off home plate right after he's in I this little that. he's in this little little little, little confrontation. Yeah, so I, so he so he's so he so he goes up and he's literally baiting Beltran. 
He's baiting them by standing in front of home plate, dusting the plate while they're having a little back and forth. Not he's fair. he's not... actually setting up the player to get himself ejected. They're not the police. They're just now, now, what ended up yeah. happening is Jerry Manuel came out. That was his first real tirade. He went off on him, ends up getting tossed. Two minutes later, he throws out Beltran. But what MLB did, which I thought was who real. Who were they playing? Who was uh, Beltran? Who were they? Beltran's in the St. Louis Cardinals. Who were they playing that day? That, that, I think it was the Phillies. I'm not 100% sure. But I, I'm, I, I, you could, you could look it up. I'm not. I really, I really don't remember who the opponent was. Right, I understand but what that. I do remember is that MLB actually reprimanded Rungi. They didn't suspend him, but they reprimanded him and they fined him an undisclosed amount of money for what he did. That was wrong. It is and, wrong. And you ML, don't do that. MLB no, needs to I do agree. the same thing with Cedarstrom here. They need to, they need to set a standard where these umpires can't. Do whatever they want. Now you made a good point because they do have to control the they game. Deal with a lot they of do garbage. have to police they what's going lot, on. Yeah. They have to hold this, you know, up to some certain standards as far as what's going on there. But they can't run around like a bunch of jerk offs. No, they, they cannot. Can't. They cannot sit here and because they hear something they don't like. Now listen, if somebody drops an f bomb at them, that's one thing. You know, if they say the magic words, that's one thing. That's how players get rung up all the time. You see, but you can't. You can't. You can't sit there and have no patience. If you make a if you make a call that's close, you know, that could be out or safe, and you say out or safe, and the other team doesn't agree, that is, is not automatic grounds for ejection. You so you have to be able to hold yourself some to some standards. And a lot of umpires do it, and I actually give them credit. There are some umpires that'll actually go out there and take a tongue lashing because a play was close, it could have gone either way reminds, and not throw the guy out of the game. It reminds me of uh, the slide Speaking of your trip in Toronto, I was watching the Mets and Blue Jays game. I don't. Know, I definitely know that it was not. It it was to end the game. There was a slide in the second base, and there was a slide in the second base, and I think it was Mike Baxter that. Yeah, yeah, I, I was at that game. That call was a blatant, idiotic mistake. That yeah. guy, the call, it was right. Okay. Okay, give or take, it was a close. It was a close call, but it was clear that the second baseman on the Toronto Blue Jays did not tag Mike Baxter. It was clear as day he did not tag him. It was also the same thing in Colorado, where uh, the first baseman, I think Todd Helton, was a foot off the bag, and he called yeah. him out. How do you call him out? Now, listen, you know it's the human element of it, and you know we could talk all day about um, about you know umpires and as far as <sighs> the, maybe the need or not need for more instant replay. And and listen, that's that's a human element that some people don't don't see sometimes. Listen, an umpire is going to make a call. Sometimes they're going to be right. Sometimes they're going to be wrong. The bottom line is the play with Baxter, where he was called out at second base. Terry Collins said he saw the guy miss the tag from the dugout. So it was exactly. it, it was exactly. it wasn't even one of those situations. Now listen, I mean, do the, do the umpires have to you know police themselves better? Yeah, because in a situation like that, if he, if if you if you as the umpire are questioning whether or not you made the right call, then you need to take the tongue lashing from the manager. It's the same. And, and I do give the guy credit because Terry Collins went out there and ripped him a new one for a good for a good two three I don't minutes. Blame, I would because I remember, it, and it, you know what? It's it's been in the past uh, a few years that we've seen this. It goes exactly like now, like from this point, like I don't know how long ago when it started, but since I don't know how long I can remember far back, but now in the World Series and in the playoffs. They have umpires on the foul lines, and I remember last year, Braves and Pirates in Atlanta. Yeah, that and is. he slid in. Okay, the the one I think it was Martin Bridal slid in the third base or whoever it was, and the catcher tagged him out. 
Prado did not even touch home plate. Yeah. He, he tagged him, and the umpire made a dumb call. Same thing with Jim Joyce in that and, perfect and it, game. And if you remember, that, that game against the Pirates was actually the beginning of the end for the Pirates. The exactly. Pirates, they were on the, a tear. They were hot. The they Pirates were, like were hanging in, in there. Listen, I don't think anybody thought that they were going to you know, win a World Series, but they were, they were playing as well at that point in the season they were in first for place. the first time in about uh, 15 years. They have not had a winning record now, since 93. Now, what ended, up, what ended up happening is the Pirates, after that, went on a swoon, and they ended up pretty much mailing it in. But that, that that's an example of how that an umpire's call down. can yeah. destroy you know the whole you know complexion of a team. Exactly. Now listen, Jim, Jim Joyce is actually one of the better umpires in the game as far as you know as far as you know be, be, being being accurate. You never see him throw you know throw throw anybody out from you know that's standing in a dugout or something. He's very patient. He'll take his if a call isn't right, and he's actually very accurate. He's one of the veteran umpires in the game. He doesn't. He he doesn't make too many mistakes. He's very accurate, but he obviously missed a very big call at uh, Armando Galarraga's perfect game. But ever since then, same thing with the Pirates. Galarraga was never the same player. He went to well. Listen, I'm I'm not going to get too much into Galarraga. I don't think he's a very good pitcher. He was a, he he was a he was a maybe a number five starter. And if it, and if you look at his 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 future, he he hasn't made it back to that level. But he's here, in a minor league contract a, with the Houston Astros right now. Minor league deal, nonetheless. He was—he's a guy that pretty much is just hanging around baseball. But that day, everything worked day. for him. Everything. And that was—that was probably the moment of his baseball career. And you know, Jim Joyce, as good of an umpire as he is, he called him safe. He caught—he cost the guy his one day in the sun for his entire career. Now you, you've watched; he's gone with the, you know the Tigers, DFA him. Then he went to Arizona. He ended up with a couple of the Brewers farm system, yeah, yeah, minor league farm system, and now Houston Astros. Because you know what, the Houston Astros need all the help they can get, and they figure, well, let's see, pick him up won't hurt us. It's just a minor league contract. When it comes down to making calls, you one thing I do know from watching baseball the time I have, you cannot argue balls and strikes. You will get thrown out. The minute you curse at an umpire, you get thrown out. I noticed a few times, you know, MLB Network brought up an interesting point, John, was when they were saying about Lou Pinella, how whenever he blows his top, he doesn't curse at the umpires. Because once you curse, they toss you. But if you don't curse, they're willing to work. They really are more patient because they take a lot of garbage. You know that. Yeah. Now they do. They, listen, they do to a point. But unfortunately, what's happened over the last 15 years is these umpires – I, and honestly, I could trace it back to one thing. And think about this thought for a second, John. The umpires in the mid-90s, right after the baseball strike, had a strike of their own. Remember when all the umpires walked out and they yes. used replace of, replacement umpires yes. for, for a couple, you and know, whatever was a couple weeks. Strike. And what ended yeah, up, what ended up happening is they, whatever, they reached an agreement and they decided to come back. But MLB said, listen, we're only going to take certain umpires back. And what ended up happening is that ended up watering down the field of umpires because a lot of the better umpires, you know, a lot of the longer tenured umpires ended up either being, you know, you know, end up either being fired altogether or taking voluntary retirement. And it, that watered down the umpires. So you had AAA level umpires, AA level umpires, umpires that would not have a job in Major League Baseball if it wasn't for what happened with these, what the other umpires that were there. And that unfortunately messed up the quality. You did, you did not, and, and honestly, from that time, we we could come up with countless and thousands of scenarios where umpires have blatantly blown, blown big calls, big calls, big calls. And, and and unfortunately, that that I think, and I've said this before, is the main reason why the umpires have have lost their edge. 
And the, the, implement, the implementing of instant replay helps to a point. But at the same time, the umpires have to be able to police themselves. They have to be able to do the job right. And if you and I are on, you know, on the air doing a show and the show sucks, they're going to get somebody else to replace us. Right. MLB has to do that. If they have umpires that are consider, consistently making incorrect calls, they need to have some sort of system where they're rated. And if an umpire is not doing the job, they need to be replaced. Major League Baseball players, if they're not getting a job done, they get sent to the minor leagues. And if they if they end up getting if they end up getting sent to the minor leagues, they got they know that there's things that they have to work on. And and you know MLB umpires do not do that, and I think that's garbage. I don't think that's right. But here's the thing, John. Here's the thing. When there's a difference between a close call and a call right in front of your eyes, I had just stated about the Mike Baxter situation. That was a call that was awful. It was right in front of the umpire's eyes where he could, he was right there on the second base pad, right in front of him. How the hell could you make a call like that? And then, and then no wonder why Terry Collins reared into Well, well a, lot, a lot of things that happen, and unfortunately there's things that umpires do, which I disagree with, and I know you feel the same way. They do that neighborhood play. And you ever see when, it, when, it, when, it, when, when, somebody's, tur- when somebody's turning a double play? Yes. The umpire's eyes aren't on the bag itself. They, it, they're watching the ball. So they, as, they, as they watch the ball, the guy could be a foot off the base when he catches it, uh-huh. but he's going to call the guy out because it's, it's an expected play. It's a play and, that, and they, they, and they yeah. do the same thing sometimes. You know, a throw beats a guy by a mile. The umpire's already, you know, getting all wound up to do his out call, and he's not looking to see if the guy tags him or not. And that's stuff that Major League Baseball needs to do when policing its own umpires to make sure that they're watching out for stuff like that. Those are two instances that – the umpires could actually do on their own to improve themselves. And this is, this is something that, you know, if, if they're going to be around, if, they, if they're going to be policing themselves, then they've got to do a better job. M- you know, MLB implements instant replay on home run calls and stuff like that. You know, there's talk about wanting to make it, you know, a computerized system where you know whether somebody is out or safe. I don't agree with that because what do you have the umpires for? If you're going to have them around, they need to do the job right. They need to have to make the correct adjustments to do the job correctly. The human and, eye. And if they, if they don't do it right, they have to be replaced. The human, Just like I said, if I do a crappy show, I'm getting replaced. These people, if they make the wrong call, they have to understand that. If I make a certain amount of incorrect calls, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to be demoted to AAA. You know, they somebody else that. is going to take my that. job. I wouldn't want that if I was an umpire. Well, but listen, wouldn't it make sure that you're you're watching every every play correctly? Some of these umpires aren't. They're doing a neighborhood play at second. They're they're calling a guy out because the throw beat him by a mile. Watch the damn play. If that's what you're there for, that's the one thing that you're in the game to but do. But the computer's to not going to beat end. the human eye. The computer's not going to beat the human eye. The computers are there. So okay, let's go in the back. And let's watch the replay. So when the replay, like exactly, when Alex Rodriguez hit that home run in the World Series against the Phillies off the camera, they said, wait a minute, I thought, you know, A-Rod said oh, it's a home run. So I went in the back and checked yeah. it was a home run. If it was not for instant replay, who the hell would have known when it would double off the well, camera? Well, that's what I'm saying. You keep instant replay like it is, but you don't expand it. Exactly. And, that, and that's the problem. I don't. I don't want a computerized system checking whether a guy's out or safe at first base. But the, play, the umpire, the umpire that's two friggin' feet away, needs to be able to make the correct call. And if he doesn't make the call a certain amount of times, somebody else has to do it. You got that right. See, but here's the thing. All right, when it, as far as making calls is concerned, 
that's what's important. But what's also important in the aspect of sports, I said it to you, John, a week or two ago, team chemistry. That's important. Team chemistry. Now, I had stated earlier we were on the way here, you know, Team chemistry is very important. The reason why I'm saying that is because I noticed that a lot of teams lately have been slumping around the majors. The Angels is definitely one. They awfully spend a lot of money. Now, I'm not saying C.J. Wilson so far up to this point is not worth the money because he's pitched gems. He's gone out there giving you plenty of uh, quality pitching. But Albert Pujols, hey, you wanted him. You got him. And this so far, he only has four home runs. He's getting a little bit better with the power. But also, people have not realized the guy is switching leagues. But we don't want to use that as an excuse because Prince Fielder on the Detroit Tigers is batting over 300. He's got eight home runs about that. He's got over 20 RBIs. So don't sit there and tell me a guy who's as great as Albert Pujols is supposed to be is slumping because of the American League. If he's so great, why is he? Well, listen, let me ask you a question. Do you think Albert Pujols is going to hit 220 this whole season? Absolutely not. And and, and that's that's my point. I mean, listen, the guy's off to a bad start. I think in the end, the 30, 100, 300 average, that's all going to be there. Definitely. Un- unfortunately, right now, the Angels are not playing the way that they're expected. I had them they're rated. They're underachieving. I had them rated as the best team in baseball coming into the season. Doesn't look like that now. And, 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 you know, I look like an idiot. But, you know, I'm not the only one. A lot of people really had a lot of belief in the Angels, particularly because of their pitching staff. They're supposed to have the four best starters, you know, the the best four-man rotation in baseball, and Urban Santana has been an absolute disaster. Their bullpen has been bad. You know, uh, have a closer. J- Jordan Walden's been demoted as the closer. They're going with Scott Downs. A lot of a lot ter- of Scott Downs, and, is and there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of chemistry issues. You know, whether it's Bobby Abreu and you know certain he's things. Gone. He's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and, now. Yeah, there's there's things that have have not worked themselves out, and this team is suffering now. Do I think the Angels are going to get any better? I don't think they're a 90-loss team. They're not going to be an under-500 team in the end. But I don't think they're winning 100 games anymore. You know, I had them winning maybe 95, 96 games. That's not possible. But I do think that there's enough talent on this team for it it to improve what it's doing now. Are they going to be able to hang with a team like the Texas Rangers? It's possible. Listen, I I think right now – you know, you or I, you or I, or anybody with a, 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 a you know, an, a knowledgeable aspect of the game, is going to think that they can't catch the Rangers. I think it's possible, they but can. right, but right they now can. the Rangers are the better team. You can't, you can't deny that the Rangers point the from season, A to Z, yes. from the rotation to their lineup. Josh Hamilton's hitting like Mickey Mantle right now. You know, <laughs> and the, the, bull, like the bullpen, homers, I think. the bullpen, which I actually thought was going to be a little bit of an issue, has actually done very well. Nathan's been okay. Ogando's been all right. Mike Adams has been Mike Adams in the last couple of years. Mike Napoli. So overall, they, they've done the job. And and you can't say you know right now if you said the Angels are better than the Rangers, you wouldn't really have a good you know leg to stand on. But I think as the season goes on, the Angels are going to improve. The Angels are an over five hundred team. Now listen, with the extra wild card, I think it opens it up for a team that maybe underachieves for a certain amount of time to still be able to get in the playoffs. Remember, there's two wild cards now as opposed to other years. So there's so, four so, wild cards instead of two. Yeah. So we're looking at you know we're looking at a team like the Angels who if if they hit their stride around the All Star break and maybe make a couple trade deadline moves for something that they feel like they need maybe it's a fifth starter maybe it's a third baseman maybe it's some you know something that they need a reliever or something like that they make the proper adjustments then I think they can work themselves out they'll be in the pennant race you know listen they they got a lot of ground to catch they've fallen behind they've put themselves behind the eight ball 
So this is up for Mike Sosha, who's been known as a very good manager. He's not having a good year. He doesn't feel like he has the best feel of the team that he has. But this is a team capable of getting the job done. And I think in the end, the Angels will be okay. Listen, am I wrong on my expectations of the Angels right now? Absolutely. I'll be the first to say it. But I also think there's enough talent on this team. And you got a guy like Albert Pujols, who, like you just said, is not going to hit 220 all season. No, he's not. I mean, if, if, he, if he really, anybody that really thinks that Albert Pujols is going to hit 220 with 11 home runs you're and wrong. 49 runs you batted are, in, wrong beyond you're, you're, not, no you're, way. you're just not paying attention. Because this is a guy that has enough talent. You've actually seen the way he's hit the ball lately. He is much he's, better. His approach at the plate is better. He's starting to feel more confident. For the American League. And For the American it, League. Listen, interleague play is going to start. He's playing the games against the National League teams that he's familiar with. So he, he's going to be fine. Yeah, listen, be in fine. the end, Albert Pujols is going to put up all-star numbers. Did I? Am I wrong as far as, far as what Pujols is going to put up for the season? Yeah, because actually I had him. I had him hitting forty home runs this year. I had him the first three years of his contract with the Angels, totally tearing it up because of one thing. He's playing first base every day for the Cardinals. He gets the option to DH maybe a, a day or two a week. Yeah. He gets the amount of rest that he needs. He's got. He's got a team that's around him that is, is feeding off of him. Tons you know, a guy, a guy like Tory Hunter, a guy Tons like Mark Trumbo. I mean, you've got a bunch of guys in that lineup that are going to feed off of him. So am I wrong as far as what kind of season he's going to have overall? Yes. But there's no reason you could say that Albert Pujols is not going to put up Albert Pujols' numbers when it comes down to the season. And not only that, when it comes down to – okay, here's, here's another thing that, that, that really confuses me, okay? Here's one thing I noticed at the test of Mike Napoli. Stop putting that guy at first base. It's one thing to sit there at the base and catch the ball. To play the position in its entirety is another thing. Okay, you can put him behind the play. He's a good catcher. He's a good DH, but he's not a first baseman. The Angels did the same thing with Howie Kendrick. Didn't work out. Twins did the same thing with, with uh, Joe Maurer. Uh-uh, not going to work out. The Yankees, as as I don't understand, try putting Eduardo Nunez at first base. Uh-uh. Not going to work. And as far as Nunez is concerned, at any position at this point right now, it's not working for them. And, it's, and here's brings my point to the Yankees. The Yankees won last night. Alex Rodriguez woke up, hit two home runs. But the way that the Kansas City Royals, their pitching is a joke. The way, I mean, the way that their team is built, they got a lot of young players. They got a lot of development to continue. They got a future. They got a future. They definitely have a future, but... Like I said, the New York Yankees should be crushing these teams, especially Luke Hoshiver. They, they I mean, they, they, they've had a history. Of, they've had Dude, a history on. over the last three years of beating the guy senseless. They scored seven runs against him earlier in this season. So it wasn't a grand slam. Hit a grand so, slam. so it wasn't. It wasn't even like you know he's got their number this year. I mean, the Yankees have for some reason it's going to be like a lights on or lights off situation. Hot no matter who, no matter who's pitching. And it, it Swisher, is inconsistent. Here's the thing I'm saying. You need to stay. It's hard. Okay, right now it's it's we're going into June. Okay, it's not even the All Star break yet, so we're not going to get on any team's case like the Angels. Same thing. But in order, you don't like Paul O'Neill said. You don't hit. You don't win. Back in the day when the old Yankees, Paul O'Neill, you know Tito Martinez. Back in the day, all those guys used to be what those were the Yankees. Now. When you're down four runs, it's like you're down in eternity. It's completely different. The way all this money that's dished out, Mark Teixeira, A-Rod, Swisher. To me, Swisher, if George Steinbrenner, got rest of the man's soul, was alive, Swisher would have been gone last over, over this offseason. And if Mark Teixeira was terrible, George Steinbrenner would have walked him and said, your hitting stinks. You should. Well, I think one thing, too, is I think, believe it or not, I think Steinbrenner would have 
done more research on the contracts that he's put out. And I know that sounds kind of stupid because if you look at, you know, Kay Agawa and you look at uh, Carl Pavano and the contracts that he dished out, I mean, he would not, you know, he would not want to go out and commit, you know, eight years on Mark Teixeira. Understand that at the time Steinbrenner was alive when this is happening, but he was, he was not, sick. he was not running the operations in the New York Yankees. And, you know, here's a guy that, yeah, says, let's get the best player at every time in the best position. But I, I actually I actually question whether or not he would have been interested in signing to Shara. Not so much for the amount of money in the years, because he has a value on a player that says, pay the guy what he's worth. And, you know, he would have paid him. But when it comes down to it, I think he might have, been, he, he might have questioned bringing in a guy like to Shara when he's committed to A-Rod like he was. If you look back at, you know, go to the 80s, go to the early 90s, even the late 70s, he never had a a really set more than three or four players that were at the top of the league in payroll. He had at the time he had Derek Jeter. He signed. They signed Sabathia. A Rod was on was on the books. They traded for Swisher too. Yeah. So at the time they were committed to about you know four or five. You know Mariano Rivera. They were they were they were already committed to about four or five guys who were at the top of their league in 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 uh, payroll. You know for 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 this position. So I think I actually think that he might have second you know maybe second or third thought the uh, move to bring in Teixeira. Now. One thing I do want to bring up on Sh- on Swisher, Swisher actually got off to a real good start this year. But he's, he now all of a sudden he just no, lost so he, it. he is slumping now. But at the at, at the time, you got to look at guys who really haven't gotten it going at all this year. Mark, to share is one of them. You know, A Rod. You know, you know, hopefully the game that he had you know yesterday is a sign of things to come. But you know, uh, Robinson Cano has been up and down. He's had some very he's good moments. Yeah, he is. And he's had, he's had some very good moments, but he also isn't the player that he was last year right now. It doesn't mean that he won't be, right. but right now, Robinson Cano isn't one of the top five p- offensive players in the game. No, and he he's knew, not. You're right. He knew at any time last year that Robinson Cano was one of the t- top four or five offensive players in the game. A pitcher that's going up against Cano knows that they're trying, they're trying to get out a guy that, you know, can hit anything. He could get a base hit. He could hit a home run off of any pitch that the guy's pitching. You don't feel like that right now with Cano. You're more confident because he's got his average over 300. He's getting some big hits. But, but you also want to see him go on that tear. The only Yankee that has really been on a tear at any point this year is Derek Jeter. And Raul Ibanez. Now, Ibanez has been a very good signing. A lot of people have actually questioned. You know, They were questioning the Ibanez signing. And it's going to turn out to be one of the better signings the Yankees have made. Because considering he's offensive. The, like considering he's the amount job. of money that they committed to him. The guy's coming off of a contract where he got paid $12 million a year. With the incentives, he's going to he's going to be around three four million for the year, assuming he makes his incentives. So that's a very good investment for the Yankees. You talk about all the money that they dished out DH, to other players. He could DH play. This is going to be a very good investment. Abania still has a lot left, and I think a lot of people fail to acknowledge that he's going to benefit from hitting at Yankee Stadium. A left-hand hitter at Yankee Stadium is in paradise. Look at what happened to Curtis Granderson last year. He finally got comfortable. Homers, 42 homers, is he a 40-home run hitter every year? I, listen, nobody in their right mind is going to say that Curtis Granderson is that type of hitter. He's a very good hitter. He's a good power hitter. He's a good defensive player. He's very, very good all-around player. But he's not a guy that you're going to expect to hit 40 home runs every year. over 300 he or less. He benefited from being at the new Yankee Stadium, the short porch and right. He kind of, you know, he had some, some, some jobs that he just kind of jerked right over the wall. Yeah. Kind of aimed, kind of aimed for the, you Opposite know, field. Yeah, he, he, he did a very good job. But a guy like Abanez is going to fit in perfectly with Yankee Stadium, and it's it's showing with his numbers. I mean, he's done a fabulous job. And I think if you're if you're a Yankee fan, you definitely got one of the few players offensively you got to be happy with 
is Abanez. The other guy is Derek Jeter. And I actually want to get your opinion on this. What has gone on with Derek Jeter since he's got his 3,000th hit? I mean, here's a guy who really is hitting as good as he did 10, 12 years ago right now. How do you explain that? Well, it's listen, I think it is, well, for one, the 3,000 hit was pressure for him. And he felt that uh, last year was, and even 2010 was coming was pressure for him because of the fact that he's the kind of player, of course, who thrived on pressure, who he wanted it all on his back. He wanted to be that guy who came through in the World Series or whatever, what have you. In any situation, Derek Jr. is the man you want up. But see, what I think it is in his head is that in 2010, his contract was getting to him a little bit, I'm sure. Because once your contract year is approaching, you're saying in the back of your head, let me – because he was trying to – I feel like he was trying to overperform in a certain way in which that he was failing, okay? And in the way – and in the playoffs, when Texas they – got, they got destroyed against the Texas Rangers. And now ever since that 3,000 hit has come off his shoulders, now he can produce. It goes the same thing with A-Rod. A-Rod in 2009, they were saying – the, the Yankee fans were saying – I'm a Yankee fan, die hard. But they were saying that he won us a World Series. He played a big role in the World Series, but as much as that man gets paid, that guy is not a clutch hitter. I don't care what anybody says. The guy does not come up when you need him. Like I remember last year, the Tigers in the playoffs, ninth inning, two outs, bottom of the ninth inning. It's A-Rod. Counts one and two. Swing and a miss, and the Tigers have done it. I I, I walked out of the room. Because I was so disgusted with the way they lost 3-2. to two. I just left the room. I said, hey, Rod's going to strike. I stood outside for five minutes. I heard it on the TV. I said, I knew it was going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean to say that I am not a loyal Yankee fan. It just goes to show you that that was Detroit's year. That was their game. That was their time. To, to me, this year, Jose Valverde is no big deal. You're able to get to that guy. I mean, and same thing with Joaquin Benoit. Detroit Tigers have great hitting. They're pitching. You got Verlander. He's not going to win 24 games like he did last year. I mean, come hey, on, he lost. He lost a two-one game today to the Indians. Really? A, yeah, he pitched. He pitched eight. In solid, Cleveland? Yeah, they got oh, they got wow. swept by the Indians. So now, oh, oh, so man. now the Tigers, who I actually did a story about today, um, are actually 20 and 24. Another team that I I was really They're big slumping? on. Who's in first place? Cleveland. The Indians. The Indians. What's their record? You know, they, it's. 23 and 18. I think they're 24 and 18 now. You so. talk about surprises. Now, listen, I think the surprises. Indians have some talent. They got some decent pitching. They don't really have the rock stars. You know, you, you, look, you don't look at the Indians and you're like, you're like, wow, they got this guy, this guy, and this guy. They do have a lot of good players, but they don't have, you know, guys like the Tigers. They don't have Miguel Cabrera and Prince Fielder and Justin Berlander. I mean, they, they, got, they got players that are decent. This is a team that could hang, at, hang out in the division. And assume, Who else will in a central? Who else? Well, listen, I was, actually, I was actually thinking that the Royals have some second-half power in them. What about the White Sox? The White Sox are okay. I, don't, I wasn't really big into the hiring of Robin Ventura as the manager. And he's actually done a decent job so far. I'm looking at the White Sox as a team pretty similar to the Mets. Now, we, we talk about the Mets in a way of, you know, Sandy Alderson took over as general manager. He's got to, you know, lower the payroll, get rid of some of the bad contracts. The White Sox were really in the same situation. Look at what Adam Dunn did last year. The guy hits, you know, about 170 for most of the season. I think he got his average up to 189 he at the end of the season. Runs. He was a guy who's hit, you know, 40 home runs hit for four, four consecutive years and is a, a perennial 35, 40 home run hitter. Absolutely did nothing for them. They, they, had, they had some good investments in, the, you know, a guy like Jake Peavy. 
you know, certain certain other contracts that they're sitting on that they had to move. John Und- Danks is another. Yeah, now, now they decided they decided yeah. not to. They decided to make some other moves. Now look, Adam Dunn has actually had a pretty good start so 15 far. Fifteen home runs. He's got more home runs than he did all last year. Jake Peavy and I and I've wrote about this in my bases empty blog. He's he's actually come back to form when he was a Cy Young Award winner for the Padres. That they're starting to get some more production from the guys that they're counting on. A guy like Alex Rios is still a bad contract, but they're getting some more stuff out of Dunn, more out of Peavy, and they may they have a chance to compete. But I just don't think that they're as strong as the Detroit Tigers. But looking at the Tigers for a second, they're a team pretty similar to the Angels that I think it's going to be a matter of time before they put it into gear. You know, a guy like Doug Fister, who missed two weeks before, is pitching to a sub-2 ERA right now. Not yet, but to have Verlander and Fister 1-2 in a rotation, and decent guys in uh, Scherzer and Porcello. Porcello's mediocre. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're serviceable, and that's really all you look for. You've, you've heard all, pretty much all preseason and into the season about the Tigers' interest in adding another starter. I think when the trading deadline comes along, I think they'll do it. I actually think they could be a dark horse for a guy like Roy Oswalt. He would I agree be he, with that. he would actually be a perfect fit there. I think if they have, you know, a legitimate number three starter, which I don't think either Porcello or Scherzer are right now. Now Scherzer actually has flashes of being an ace. He's been better. But unfortunately some other times he looks like the worst pitcher in the game. I mean that's that's it's it's like a Jekyll and Hyde thing with him. He's now, up and now down. if they could have another starter that they could count on, there's no reason why I can't I don't think that this Detroit Tiger team could be the best in the division. There's really not nothing else. You got the Indians who, yes, are overachieving right now and I give them a lot of credit, but when it comes down to it, I think the Detroit Tigers are a deeper team. You talked about the bullpen before. It's not great, but it's also not terrible. You know, a guy like Valverde last year was 49 for 49 with saves. Listen, he is an up-or-down guy. He's a guy that's going to walk the tightrope in the ninth inning. He did it for many times last year. I but he, but he's a closer that's better than most. He's not Mariano Rivera, but he is a serviceable major league closer who has done it for five-plus years. A guy like Joaquin Benoit, yeah, listen, he's a guy that's going to get lit up every once in a while. How about but, Papelbon? But he's also going to be a guy that's going to – He's also going to be a guy that's going to, you know, get a one, two, three, eighth inning. A guy that they're missing, and I don't, I don't know if you follow this so much, but a guy who did a great job for them in the bullpen last year hasn't pitched a game for them this year is Al Albuquerque, and he, yes, he's, he's a guy I who actually, him. and being a Yankee fan, I'm sure you remember him pitching in the postseason. He shut the slam to yeah, the, yeah. Canel, I remember. Other than outside of that, he actually pitched well. Yes. He, he shut down the Yankees in what was it, game four and game five. And he oh, up, you're a Mets fan. You're going to rub it in now. Huh? No, no, I'm a baseball <laughs> fan. I'm, know, I'm telling you how it is. I'm only kidding, Johnny. But unfortunately, you know, Al Albuquerque was a guy who actually threw some good innings for the Tigers last year. They haven't had him all season. Uh, Daniel Slareth, who is their their left-handed specialist, is on a disabled list. How about now. Octavio Dotel? Is he still? Yeah, he's 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 there. He's, he's actually he's a dwa- he's he, a he's a wanderer though. He can, yeah, he's, he's played with almost fifteen teams now. I think it's fourteen like or fifteen. Like Sheffield, a lot of players are like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He, Orlando he's a Cabrera was like that too. Yeah, there's a lot of we, we could do this all day. A lot I mean, of wanderers. Yeah, there's a <laughs> you know plenty plenty of players that end up with a different team each year. But I think the Tigers' bullpen, my main point, is that it's not as bad as people think. I think they're better than some people give them credit for. They're going to get the job done at, at, to a point. But the bottom line is they just got to they – they have to really put it together. Jim Leland's got to get over and realize what he's got there. One thing I didn't like what the Tigers did, and unfortunately they had really no choice but to do it, when they signed Prince Fielder, they moved Miguel Cabrera to third base, which was naturally a weaker position for him. They also took an outfielder by the name of Ryan Rayburn and made him their starting second baseman. You're, so, second so you got base. so you got two guys. I remember that, that. you got yeah, two guys in your infield that are totally out of position. 
Now, listen, has it killed them? It really hasn't. They haven't lost games because of a ball going through Ryan Rayburn's legs. They haven't lost games because of an errant throw by Miguel Cabrera. But actually, box, made like I think maybe two errors. Listen, they they make that, errors. Man, Everybody makes errors. You know, but it, but my point is, big errors. You you haven't seen that. You haven't seen a game that was turned on an error by Miguel Cabrera or Ryan Rayburn. So that's something that they have to deal with. But I I am concerned about the psychological aspect of it. Because, you know, a guy like Justin Verlander, you don't have to worry about. You know he's a bulldog. He's a guy that's going to throw, you know, up to, up to you know, 100 miles an hour in the ninth inning of a game. But some of the other pitchers, some of the younger pitchers that are in there, a guy like Porcello, a guy like, you know, Scherzer. you know, a guy like Scherzer, they, 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 may, they may be, like, psychologically bothered by the fact that they know they don't have a strong defensive team in back of them. Can they count on, you know, can a guy like Doug Fister count on his sinker to get ground balls when even a guy like <laughs> Jahani Peralta – who is not he's, really he's, pretty good. He, he's not he's not a very good defensive shortstop. He's average. He is not he's not going to make the spectacular play. So when you got when you got an infield of Rayburn and Peralta and you know Miguel Cabrera playing third, I don't know how much you feel, you know, as far as confidence in you know being a starting pitcher, you know, knowing that you you're going to have to rely on ground ball outs. Doug Fister is a ground ball pitcher. So if he's if he's going to count on his sinker, he needs to know that the guys behind him are going to make the play. A guy like Ramon Santiago last year, who was a terrible hitter. Baseman? Yeah, he's a terrible hitter. He's not bad. He's he's he's, he's about a two hundred hitter for a majority of the season. By the end, he finished about. He's a number nine guy. He finished most, about yeah. two thirty. Now, now talking, you know, a guy like Brandon Inge, who they just released. Oklahoma. You know, th- these were these were two very very good defensive players that you knew were going to make the plays. They were as good as far as their position defensively as any of the best in the game, as far as being defensive players. They couldn't hit for crap. They couldn't hit for anything. But well, Inge wasn't bad. Inge was Inge, pretty good. Inge has been horrible for the last year plus, which is the reason he got released. He had a, he had a horrible season last year, and he and he's actually he was hurt a lot of. He the was time. actually he's actually on a was on a fourth year of a long term contract that he signed with the Tigers, and he just he's absolutely hasn't gotten it done. There was actually debate, and I've talked about it through Twitter with some of my Twitter followers that there was there was debate of whether the Tigers should have kept Inge coming out of spring training and replaced him with Danny Worth from the beginning. Danny now, Worth is uh he's, he's a new. yeah, he's a utility player. He's a you know, triple A guy. So who, but, so right now you got Austin Jackson in center field. And Austin Jackson's actually having a pretty good year. He's hitting over 300. But he strikes out a lot. Yeah, he That's strikes out a ton, dude. Here's the thing. Now, we were talking about um what we do. We were talking about here's the thing with Detroit, okay? You get Prince Fielder. You got him at first base. The, see, you were saying the corner the corner infielders Offensively, are are excellent so far, and yeah, they absolutely. I mean, they're superstar players. You got you got a superstar at first base and third base. But as far as defensively, the pitcher on the mound is in question and thinking to himself, "Gee, if I get a ground ball to third base, is Miguel Cabrera going to catch the ball? Is he going to be speedy enough to catch up with the ball?" I mean, okay, it's easy. Okay, it, I'd rather, to be honest with you. I'd rather have Miguel Cabrera at first base than freaking Eduardo Nunez, who can't even do a <laughs> well, round ball. And go listen, I mean, I, I think that goes without saying, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not only yeah, that. Yeah, that's, yeah. Like, that's like saying, you know, I'd rather have Miguel Cabrera than me playing first base. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, but you see, here's the thing. You, uh, we off, that, off the Detroit Tigers for a bit. Uh, now, let's get on to the lovely, hating Red Sox, Okay. Now, we know that Kevin Euclid just came off the disabled list for, like, what, the umpteenth time in, like, the past two years? Yeah. Right? Now, here's, here's what's in question. Now, nobody may like that guy, Bobby Valentine. 
Nobody may respect that guy because of his ego and his attitude and his what have you. But one thing he does know, that guy knows how to scout. He knows players. He knows what he's doing in, in, in the game. Okay? But one thing I will say is he really needs to do something about Euclid. If Euclid now, they brought that guy, that kid, Middlebrooks. Yeah, Middlebrooks. Middlebrooks. Came off and became, you know, a, a you know a good offensive player. I had not really seen him at third base. He's a he's a very good prospect. He's actually rated as one of the top third base prospects in all of baseball. Okay, now here's the thing. Here's here's one mistake the Red Sox. Uh, not, not I'm sorry, not a mistake. But the one thing is, I think that if he is, first of all, right now he had a home run the other day against the Orioles in, in Camden Yards. Yeah, yeah, in his first game back. Okay, now. Sure, that might be a sign of things to come, but if you go one for five in a game and then you are crappy the next three days and then you go one for you know two for five again and then you're just not consistent, then the Red Sox, and from the way I see it, they don't they could trade Euclid at the tra- trade deadline because you got the young kid Middlebrooks, fresh from AAA, healthy guy. Obviously, he can hit for power. He's, from what I was told by you and from what the critics are saying, he's a good third baseman of all top prospects. Why not give this kid a shot? The hell with Euclid. Why don't you trade Here, him? Here's the thing that I, uh, the issue that I have. I actually did a post on my Bases Empty blog, which you should check it at johnpla.com, uh, in regards to Euclid and what would he be the best fit for him. Now, I, I think that he could obviously he could help out some other teams. But uh, the unfortunate thing over the last couple of years in particular, here's a guy that's been injured he has been injured a lot he's just coming off an injury now if you're a team like let's say the phillies who i suggested possibly the brewers maybe the cardinals with the lance berkman situation teams that may have an interest in kevin euclid are going to be like wait a second this guy hasn't played more than 140 games in a season and he only did that once and here's a guy who's always got something nagging with him he had, he had the little dispute with Plus Valentine whether attitude. whether he was right or wrong. You know, He's leave, got a bad attitude, leave, leave that up to somebody else to talk about. But you know, here's here's a guy that may have some character issues. We don't know. You know, we only know what we hear Adequate people reporting about. He's not a great field. And also, either. he's not a third baseman. I mean, here's a guy who has been a third baseman, first baseman throughout his career. And if you go through BaseballReference.com, you'll find out that he's played a lot more games at third base than I think me or you even realize. But here's, here's a guy who is, is an adequate defender, but he's not an all-star defender. Now, here's a guy who also has injury problems. Wouldn't you want to keep him at first base? Where he is, that's what they're doing. Which is his number they put one. They've Gonzalez in right field. Yeah, yeah they've been playing with Gonzalez in right field. That's a good idea, though, because now you want to try and get Euclid hitting again. Perhaps either A, keep him, or B, a trade deadline. He's bait to, to get somebody. Because the Red Sox, see, here's the problem. Me and my father were talking about this. The Red Sox just seem to go out and they get they get Marlon Byrd. They get Cody Ross. They get that guy. They get this guy. They get that guy. And nothing seems to work. Nothing's working. The unfortunate thing is, and I, like I know you're you're in your Yankee fl- fan glory right now, but this is what this no, is what this I'm, is. I'm this, a baseball fan. You, I, I know you are, yeah. but, it, but you also have you know just like I have every once in a while jump in. To go off I, I, t- yeah. I jump in my Met fan thing. You you may not be realizing that the Yankees have done this for years. Unfortunately, you know, fortunately for the Yankees, a lot of times it's worked. But I know, I know you're, you're a little too young to remember the Yankees of the 80s. But the Yankees of the 80s, as far as bringing in the best player at every position, are about the same as they, they are right now and have been for the last 20 years. They were bringing in guys like Danny Tartable, who at the time was a top 
power hitter in a game. Steve Balboni was a back-to-back 30-plus home run hitter. You know, you're talking about you know bringing in the best players at a game. They needed a closer, so they got Steve Farr, who was a two-time All Star from the Royals. You know, guys like Andy Hawkins and Pasquale Perez. They went they went out of their way to get the best players that they Chris had. Chambliss. Well, Chris Chambliss was a '70s guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was he was there with Greg Nettles when they were doing the same thing. But you know, my my point is, you know, teams. You know, some teams have the mentality of of feel, feeling like they have a hole somewhere and having to go out and get the best player at every position. That doesn't always work. And, you know, like I was talking to you in the car, the Yankees of the late 90s actually benefited from not having the best player at every position. They had some platoons that worked out great. Charlie Hayes and Wade Boggs playing third base in 1996 was was great. I mean, they've had a lot of, you know, useful players that played major roles. A guy like Chad Curtis, Shane Spencer. Chili Davis. You know, you're talking about guys that, you know, may not be at the best part of their career, but were leaders and could play the game the right way. You know, sometimes that's better than having, you know, the top free agent in every position. The Red Sox may have fallen in a couple of years, signing Carl Crawford, trading for Adrian Gonzalez. Now, listen, are, are these guys on paper great? Do they make the Red Sox better? Absolutely. If, you, if you're not looking at that point and you're not paying attention, those are some of, some of the best players in the game. You made a major upgrade. But sometimes that's not what's needed in every spot. Sometimes, you know... You know, you need a guy that's going to sit here and just be adequate, get the job done, get some clutch hits for you. What about Cody Ross? What, what's his? By the way, what's the what's the Cody Ross's situation? Is he hurt? Yeah, he's on the disabled list now. Again, yeah. So actually, they have a whole outfield. Their whole projected outfield's on the disabled so, list. We so, forget about Ellsbury too, who's been out. So who's in left field right now for them? They, they're playing honestly right now. What they're doing is they're they're playing just about anybody they got. You know, a, 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 what do you call it? Uh, Rob, Ryan, right Ryan Sweeney's playing no, a lot. He, he's he's not. A, they don't want him. Well, he, he's he's, he's, he's getting playing time. He's not he's not out there every day, but he's getting playing time. They got you know they got a couple Was players he from here. The A's, Ryan Sweeney. Yeah, they got him in a trade that uh, they they got Andrew Josh Bailey Reddick. with. Yeah, they, they traded Reddick. Jock. And Josh Reddick's having a good year. That, I mean, like, he's having, he has 14 Well, actually, he was runs. on a run for about two weeks where he was up with anybody in the game as far as his numbers. He has 14 home runs. Now, he's, he's, he's actually he's he's a very good player. pitching quite well. I actually think that trade is going to work out for the Red Sox. They had to give up something to get something. Andrew Bailey is a very good closer. Once he's healthy and can actually go out there and pitch, which is really the only issue with him over the last couple of seasons, when he's been out there, he has been one of the more underrated closers in the game. Here's a guy that I think can he, he could get the Yankees out. He could get the Tigers out. This is a guy who is who can be a top closer. Now, unfortunately, you, you're not going to get a guy like that for free. No, you're not, you're not. not going to give up nothing to get him. So, you know, rather than trading a guy like Will Middlebrooks, who actually is going to be the third baseman of the future, they trade a guy like Josh Reddick. Yeah, a Red Sox fan would say, wow, you know what? Josh Reddick playing right field for us every day would make us a better team than we are right now. Agreed. I agree to that. Unfortunately, that's a little too much hindsight. You're looking at the fact that Andrew Bailey's hurt, which he wasn't when he was traded for. And, you know, you're also looking at the fact that the Red Sox projected outfield is not out there. They got Adrian Gonzalez, who is one of the top players in the game still. I, I really, truly believe that. Me too. But, you know, I they don't have that. Carl Crawford. They don't have Jacoby Ellsbury. And Jacoby Ellsbury, honestly, had a season as good, if not better, than Robinson Cano last year. He was that good. He, you know, not a lot of people really looked at what Ellsbury was doing because of what happened with the Red Sox in September. But Jacoby Ellsbury was becoming a star. He was becoming one of the top players in the game. That's one year, though. Yeah, and you know what? He has to he has to back it up when he's healthy. Unfortunately, the guy got hurt this year. You you can't hold. You How can't old hold is he up for? Do you know? 
he, it's going to be indefinite. He's not coming back anytime soon. I think actually the news that they're getting is that he actually may be back sooner than Carl Crawford, which is kind of a sad thing Carl because Crawford, Carl Crawford actually he actually may be out for the entire season. What a bust! And you look at you know you look at you know what the Mets did you know with Jose Reyes and him going to the Marlins. Carl Crawford was a similar situation when the Rays decided, all right, we're going to let him go. We're going to go with Desmond Jennings. And and, Desmond Jennings has worked out for and, them. And he's been he's been a prospect. He's probably not going to be Carl Crawford. But, you know, but unfortunately, the, the Rays, the the Rays are looking a lot better, you know, in that move right now. You know, unfortunately, it was going to cost a lot of money to be able to to be able to bring back Carl Crawford. You know, the Rays don't have that kind of budget. They don't they, they don't they're not going to invest one hundred fifty million into a position player. Actually, I actually one hundred twenty five million. Yeah. Well, Seven year deal. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter. Terrible. But, it, you know, it's, it's still a lot of money. But they will they will invest money when it comes to retaining their own pitchers. I guarantee David Price is going to see a hundred million dollars in a Ray uniform. You know, a guy like Matt Moore, if he becomes what he becomes, you know, what he, what what we think he's going to become. See keywords if. Yeah, we got to see we got to see it over the we course don't know of time. right now. See, well, let me let me ask you though. Do you think David Price is in is going to get himself in that range? He's certainly going to get paid. He's going to get paid, but here's the thing. Here's you a guy that won eighteen games two years ago. That was two years ago. And he actually he actually numbers wise had a pretty statistically even season from the year before, for the exception of the thirteen and fourteen win loss record. What but was the CRA? It, it was it was in the, it was in the low threes, right around the same That's spot that bad. it was the year before. His number right. his strikeout numbers, his strikeout per nine innings, his uh his whip, they were all within the same same realm of, you know, where it was when he won eighteen games the year before. And he he's pitching well this year. He's gonna he's gonna get that kind of contract. A guy like James Shields. I, I don't know if they're going to hold on to him, but here's a guy that's going to get paid also. Here's a guy that had nine complete games last year. He was their bulldog. He took some pressure off of a guy like Price or some of the other starters that they had. See, but he's a head case, James Shields. Once, but you know what? He's a heck of a pitcher. And you know what? Is. I would sign up to have him on my staff any day. And I'm not just talking as a Met fan. I'm talking about a baseball fan. Exactly. You know, would, would I you, agree would, with you. Would I you think... want James Shields on the Yankees pitching staff? Absolutely. Yes, I'm, I'm going to answer it for you because I know the answer. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, that, it's that simple. Definitely. But you see – Here's the thing, okay? Well, listen, I'm going to put you on hold for a second. We actually got to take our first break of the day. This is the Passball Show. John Pialli here with John Mayo. We're going to talk during the second hour. Second hour, we're going to be joined by Casey Stern from uh, MLB Home Plate, Sirius XM Radio. We're going to talk some more baseball. We're going to take a quick break. I'll say about maybe five to seven minutes. We'll be back. We're going to knock out some more stuff. See you soon.